Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right. We are back with another episode of Squared Away on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. What's up, my brother? I'm here, man. You want to tell uh, everybody about your lovely Memorial Day run? My lovely Memorial Day run. Your scenic run. Oh, so I got it's this stupid shit. Every once in a while, you got to like punish yourself, right? And so started the Cameron Haynes book endure this week and listen, I'm like, man, I haven't ran for a while other than just sprints and I'm not a runner. Like I'm six foot two twenty five, pretty thick. And I'm like, all right, well, I told my wife, I'm like, I might run tomorrow. I actually said I might run a half marathon tomorrow. And she thought I meant like with somebody like at a, at an actual event. And I just meant like, I'm going <laughs> to run I just, the like, next day. I just, it wasn't even an event. It was just like to test myself. Um, and I haven't ran and probably other than sprints, I probably haven't ran in a year and a half. And so I was going to run in the morning and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get a workout in. So I went got a good back day in. It was a really good workout, solid two hour workout. And then I'm going to leave and I'm like, fuck, I'm like, you pussy, just run. Like, 
yeah, you're probably not going to get a half marathon and you haven't ran in a year and a half, but just go fuck, just go run, see what, punish yourself a little bit. So I threw my gym bag in the locker, turned on my, my running app, my Under Armour, my running app and, uh, and just started running and it doesn't come back the way that riding a bike does. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Um, it felt fine, you know, a solid seven, eight miles an hour, nothing crazy. And, uh, I'm like running, running, running. And the, the app like tells you every mile and what your mile pace is. And well, as you're going, yeah. And I, I forgot about that. Yeah. I didn't even know it actually. And so I'm running. I'm like, hi, oh, I must be mile and a half, two miles in. And then all of a sudden the, the, the app goes one minute or one mile, mile pace. And then it tells me my pace. I'm like, fuck, that was only a mile. <laughs> like, oh, really? oh man. Oh, what was the toughest? The first four tenths of that mile to get your breathing down or? Uh, no, the last mile and a half. The last, mile, the last and mile and a half of the run was, was the toughest. It was really, yeah. Cause my body wasn't, my body's not built for that. Like it, I, I don't do it enough. Yeah. So like, anyway, so I run, I'm like, all right, two miles, three miles, four miles. I think I was four and a half miles before I stopped and took my first walk, my first breather walk. And I'm not like, this isn't a sprint. I'm talking, you know, we're talking like a, like a eight to 10 minute mile pace, like nothing crazy. And, uh, I'm like, all right. So I start running again. And that's when like my hips started to really get sore and my knees started to get sore. And I'm like, well, we'll see where I go. So at about five and a half, I knew I was about a mile and a half away from my car. And I'm like, all right, well, I think I'm going to run back to the car. Like, this is probably where I should hang it up and run back to the car. And that'll be a solid six and a half, seven miles. And and I will, uh, I hurt, punish myself, but I'm not going to be completely unfunctional for the rest of the day. Yeah. And uh, that last mile and a half, it was like every time my right leg hit, my knee hurt, my hip hurt my lower back hurt. It was just, but it was fine. Like I finished, finished strong, finished hard, um, stopped, went inside, took a breather, got, got all my stuff. I got home. And I told you this when I got here, I got home and I was like, oof, like I'm sore. And it was like between my, between my waist, my lower waist, I guess my upper thighs and my upper abdomen was just like, and I don't know if it was from that stretch of when you're running or just like the movement of your body, like the banging, bang, 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 you know, 10,000 times or whatever. Yeah. And I went to piss and it hurt. Like it hurt, hurt. I could, it was the weirdest thing. Um, I kind of thought I'm like, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know that this is supposed to do this. <laughs> and, uh, I kept squeezing it off because it fucking hurt, but I finished pissing. I walk out and I told my wife, she's like, do you know need to go to the doctor? I was like, no, no. I'm like, I'm fine. Just not really sure what that was. And by five o'clock last night, it was fine. Like I, I had took like body a, yeah, my body, my body <laughs> recovered and it was okay. Um, and then slept great last night. And now today I feel, I feel excellent, but it was one of those things where it's like, I feel like I, I, I rode that balance well of punishing yourself, making sure you still are, can be comfortable in the uncomfortable. You can still endure. Right but not putting myself in a situation where like, I'm not going to be functional for the next seven days. Yeah. So I rolled that line. Well, <laughs> it was good. Um, it's just anything like that. It sucks when you're in the moment, but just like everything else, it strengthens the mind, strengthens the body, strengthens the heart, strength, strengthens the re- the resolution. Right. 
the resolution of like, all right, well, I'm still a mile and a half away from my truck and I fucking hurt, but I'm going to finish the run. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not calling somebody to come pick me up. Right. So it, it was quit. good. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. I mean, not fun in it, but fun afterwards. That's right. Is there ever a workout that you leave and regretting that you worked out? No, never. So unless it's a shitty workout, right? Like if you go in and, oh, talk, yeah. and you talk too much, you don't get enough lifting in or like you knew you were going to do, you know, back and biceps and really you only got like half a back workout in and then you hit your arms to whatever. Like if it's a shitty workout. You leave and you're like you're depressed that you didn't get everything done that you wanted to get done and, and you talk too much. Yeah. But never like a good workout that I left and I was upset about ever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's where. uh yeah, for some of you that uh, think that I'm nuts, sometimes I go in two times or sometimes I get in three times. Well, if I go in two or three times in that day, that meant that the first one wasn't enough. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm nuts. It just means that I got to get it right. And I'm like really average. Like just so everybody out there knows if you're listening to this podcast, like I'm not I'm not an elite athlete. I'm not like anything special. I'm extremely average. Like my entire life I've been fairly average as far as athleticism like earlier in my life i was completely out of shape i was fat i couldn't compete i was like the only senior on my high school hockey team and i didn't even really deserve playing time i just got it because i was the only senior um so like i'm wasn't like i was born with any sort of elite athleticism or anything it's literally just putting in the time and putting in the work to get to that point well that's what goggins talks about right so i mean it's the, the average dude you know, a lot of the soft guys, I mean, they're just, they're all just the average dude. It's just, uh, are you willing to push yourself? It's it's the will to get past that 40%. So, and there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of differences. There's a lot, there's all different levels to the game, right? There's the people that are, I think in the sporting gene, they talk about it or that are the rise of Superman. There's a, there's, there's your genetics. There's your basically work ethic and then there's your willpower and if you have all three of those things that's where you get somebody like uh like a michael phelps right genetically built for swimming had the work ethic and had the willpower whereas like you know a ton of people that are like genetically built for basketball but they don't have the work ethic or the willpower oh yeah or you know the people that you know like like the spud webb right who's not genetically built for anything like basketball but had the the work ethic and the willpower. Oh, yeah, even football, you see that all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, talent gets you so far. But yeah. You got to put the work in. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. And then you got people like, have you heard about this most recent stuff with the uh, Colum Von Monger? Do you know who he is? The bodybuilder. He's like was touted as the next Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh no. Um, I follow like Bumstead. Some deep dark demons inside Bumstead. that boy. Like, oh really? Clearly, like cl- clearly he's he 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 has some darkness inside and that was probably why he is where he is and why he is as big as he is because he's probably fighting demons every day. Well, something happened and I don't know the exact details. I just happened to catch a quick article about it, but got pulled over, got his car searched, had all of his illegal steroids, had Viagra and then had meth. And then you know, got a ticket, whatever it was in court, something happened. And then he jumped out of a second story window 
and like fucked himself up pretty bad. Broke his arm, fucked his back up, like bruised, bruised all over his face. Um, but survived, huh? Survived it. Yep. Survived it and um, is now basically going into rehab, which clearly probably needs if he's at that point. But you see somebody like that and, you, and that's the shit that we talk about with this like social media only seeing the fucking highlight reel. Right. Like if yeah. you only watch that guy's Instagram, you probably thought that he was like the most put together bodybuilder ever. Right. But like yeah. everybody's real and everybody's got darkness and everybody's got demons. And that's the part that we try to like highlight. Like, like I'm a fuck up too. You know, like I have, I have damage. I have skeletons in my closet. I have things that I battle with every day. Like I'm in no way an ideal person, but there is no ideal person. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. Nobody's got it together. Um, yeah. Going into uh transition on Memorial day. Yeah. Um, I got, you know, I just want to address this. I mean, I got some, you know, uh, messages, and I've seen some posts out there already, you know, coming up to this weekend. So just just for our listeners, just to understand, you know, this is coming out in Memorial or right before Memorial Day. So Memorial Day, I mean, these are for the folks that that passed, that gave yeah. their service and gave their time and, you know, ended up, uh, you know, deceased because of their service. So this is what the weekend's for. You know, you don't have to thank the uh, veterans for their services. That's. You know, on Veterans Day. Yeah. So, yeah, just a reminder for that because I, I didn't think about that until I started getting some, you know, messages. I'm like, uh, yeah, we're 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 season I'm or two. St- I'm off still here. alive. I'm good. No, nope, still living. Yet, so, you know, not not in uh, Afghanistan or anything. So, um, but yeah, it's just a shout out to uh, all the Gold Star families and and those that have lost. I mean, you know, ultimately Memorial Day is every day for them. So. You know, we just want to take our time to to honor those that they've lost and and pay respect for their time and and you know the memories. You know, they they're the ones that you know look at their phone and guess what? They're never going to get that message. You know, the last message that they got, you know, is going to get farther and farther away every day that passes. So, you know, it's it's you know, our, our hats off and and total respect for our Gold Star families. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. We're you know we're with you. We're behind you. If anybody out there needs anything, if they're you know going through any of that, reach out. Maybe we can point you in the right direction. Help you get some people in your area to help. It's it's hard. Yeah, and it's you know there's so many stories, uh, great hero stories. Um, you know if this uh, if you if you want a story to look up that you know probably a lot of you haven't heard is look up the uh, extortion seventeen. Or it could be titled as 31 Heroes. Yeah, take a look at that as uh, some maybe your family can sit down and, hey, this Memorial Day, we're going to look at, you know, some of the heroes uh, that have passed in, you know, recent years. So, yeah, check that out. Extortion 17, um, 31 Heroes. Either one of those, I think, will get you there. So, Excellent. Um, Now to take this to a little bit of a weirder, darker place. Uh-oh. Into this week's podcast. My shorts? Yeah. Ooh, that was dirty. <laughs> thanks for lighting. Thanks for lightening the mood before we get into this. All right. I mean, that's my update for the shorts. The Lululemon shorts we talked about a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's I give them a grade uh, A minus. A minus for a lack of uh, pockets. You should sew some pockets in. 
you come from that old school military mentality where you kind of make everything how you want it, right? Like you didn't have yeah. all the Gucci. Yeah, you I should take my the, stuff out and you can see my stitching. Yeah, no, you it didn't have like all Frankenstein. The, you didn't have all the Gucci gear back then that everybody has now. You had yeah, to you like put your own you had to make it. stitching in there. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that you know, those are great shorts. I mean, there's they're better than uh, Ranger panties. Um, except like we joked about, you know, you can't really drop a turd in those things. You're gonna be carrying that like a basket. So yeah, you look like a baby with a diaper on. Yeah. So, but 100% uncomfortability, um, you know, hats off to Chris. That's that's his brand, right? Oh, yeah, definitely his brand. So, you know, I have a couple pairs. That's about as far as I'm going to spend any money on those. So, so yeah, that's my little interjection for the week. So, now we can get to the, the solemn. The solemn part of this week's podcast. And it's, and, it's, and it's not necessarily solemn. It's just a little bit of a dark thing to talk about. And we're going to try to... We're going to try to talk about this Uvalde school shooting along with all school shootings, along with the mentality and the psychology behind what we're dealing with in our country and and then gun control. Um, yeah, this is the third shooting that's happened in recent. You know, they're like back to back to back. Yeah. You got the Asian church house shot up. You got the grocery stores. That, you know, apparently it was, quote, a white supremacist, which, you know, I can, I got some numbers to talk about that later, but, and then you got, you know, Uvalde, which is just, like I said, we can get really deep into. Well, and the Uvalde thing, like, I don't know, why don't you want to just go through and like high spot what happened in Uvalde, you know, the details, and then we'll kind of get into it because like we talked about yesterday and like we're going to talk about here, um, at its absolute best, this is sort of just a sheer fuck up of the system. Yeah. I mean, what is being publicized right now, yeah, definitely is, is a sheer fuck up of the system. But you start from the you know baseline as this is a, a kid that just turned 18, right? High school dropout, you know, had a lot of issues at school, um, behavioral issues that they've recognized and talked about. Um not sure where even the father was, but the mother who he was with basically didn't want to take care of him. So he ended up in the home of his grandparents, which is, you know, the grandfather who was interviewed for this. And then the grandmother who he shot in the face, basically. And, um, okay. I mean, right leading up to it, he, he purchased an AR when he turned 18 and then he purchased a second one, purchased a handgun and we can get in details of that, too, because that's ah, just, you know, insane of itself. You know, shoots his grandmother in the face, apparently over some squabble of, you know, who's paying the phone bill. And then, uh, you know, steals her F-250, which I don't understand that either yet. But because of just uh, their background and, you know, monetary, because the grandfather was a criminal, you know, it was a felon. So they couldn't have firearms in the house either. So... Which, yeah, is weird. And then, uh, cra- you know, gets chased, supposedly crashes the 250 nearby the school, goes, gets into the school, which is, you know, strange in itself. So crashes, crashes a truck, shoots at responding officers, runs to the school, and it sounds like shoots multiple times at the outside of the school before he even gets into the school. Yeah. Gets into the school through a door that was propped open. Um, you know, whatever happened, a teacher went to run outside to get something and didn't have her key card to get back in. So she throws a rock in the door quick. Yeah, we don't know that. Um, 
gets in through that door and then proceeds to barricade himself in a classroom. So fourth grade classroom, I believe it was fourth grade classroom, two teachers in there. Um, what was there? 19 kids, um, 20 kids, but 19, one survived, 20, 20, Yeah. Something. Cause, uh, the one child that, you know, survived smeared blood on herself and pretended to be dead, played possum. And then, uh, yeah, eventually, uh, you know, and this was, I don't know all the facts other than it, it took them basically 40 minutes plus outside the door to quote, breach the door. But they didn't, the police didn't breach the door. It was actually uh, one of the Border Patrol elites came in, breached the door, um, I think took a round, and then uh, killed the shooter. So, you know, and then here we sit. And it sounds like, it sounds like where one of the big malfunctions here was they assumed that there was no one else alive in the classroom. And that's why they had stood down. And we're waiting for the correct, you know, tactical group to come breach the door and get the kid, get the guy. He's 18. He's, an, he's a man. Um, I didn't hear that part. Yeah. So they assumed they assumed that, that, that everyone that was deceased. Everyone was deceased. And this serious? is this is what I'm and this is, you know, everything is just secondhand information. Everything that we're reading here yeah. is just is just from um, I think this is from a, a an interview with one of the police chiefs or something. And they what happened is, is. They assumed what he's saying happened was they assumed that everyone in the classroom was deceased. He had barricaded himself in the room. So he was no longer a threat to all of the children in the rest of the school. So they were standing down, watching the door to make sure he couldn't get out, but they weren't going in. But during this 40 minutes, there's umpteen 911 calls. From the kids. From 1206 to 1240, which is this 40 minutes that they were, you know, standing down from the kids, from the teachers, um, all with, you know, all very hushed tones, whispering, try, basically trying to say, get somebody in here. But that information never made it to or was not comprehended or whatever happened here. That information didn't make it to the group of officers that were just standing outside the door, which, you know, is estimated at 40 40, 40 people plus minutes right now and 40 people in that school. So, so you got like 40 I said, first responders, like I said, at best, a major fuck up. Yeah. But there's windows in that classroom. I mean, if I, there's windows in that classroom, they're probably not staring through the windows at a guy with a gun, right? Like, but technically if they pulled up to the school, I mean, I'm looking at this from a tactical you yep. know, perspective. Yep, 100%. Is they should have had eyes on that. If there was visibility, that would have been through the glass. You mean the glass on the, the outside glass, yeah. not so, the inside glass? Yeah, it's not like you're driving right what up. What can I you mean, see, though? You know, is it a mirrored glass? Or is it a completely see-through glass? Because that would be the first question, right? Right. Because can know. you even see in? You know, even just because it's glass doesn't mean you can actually see in and see what's going on in the classroom. Yeah, I haven't seen a school that has. Have you seen a school in mirror glass? I mean, a lot of them you can't really see in during the day. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I would have to. That would I try to get eyes on that, but no matter what, I mean, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, and that's, and that's where the that's where the first big fuck up is the assumption that there was nobody else alive in the mm -hmm. room. Um, 
but you know they're in the room. You know there's a threat. And if you got that many first responders sitting outside the door, you should have had a plan to breach that immediately. Well, and their their shooter um, steps, what do you call it? Pr- protocol. Their shooter protocol would have them breaching the door. Yeah. So that's where they did not follow their shooter protocol. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. The whole thing to me stinks like um, the Las Vegas shooting. It just, everything stinks. I mean, anybody that can basically give you the real story is dead. You know, the grandmother is dead. Is she dead? I don't know. Stuff I I read this morning is she might be alive. She might be alive? Yeah. Yeah, I guess she could probably uh, fill in. But yeah, she took a round to the face, I think. so. So... This conversation started, I made a, uh, wrote a post this week about the immediate choice to start talking about gun control that we have in this country when something like this happens is so indicative of the American populace and their mentality. And I compare it to um, the health crisis that we have going on right now, right? Um, we only treat we only treat symptoms, right. We don't ever look at we, because because to, to go past treating symptoms is is difficult. Right. Is, is really hard. So let's just take let's just take the mass shooting, um, you know, sort of epidemic, if you want to call it that. Um, it is a societal failing of damaged individuals that is manifesting itself in the symptom of people taking out their pain and killing multiple people, but they're using a gun to do it. So we, so we then want to regulate the gun, but we will ignore the situations like here in Wisconsin at the parade when that man killed how many people, how many people with a vehicle, We will ignore the idea that making a gasoline bomb would be way easier than filling out the paperwork, passing, getting a gun, learning how to basically use that gun if you don't already know. Um, Damaged, destructive, bad individuals are going to manifest their their pain no matter what you do with the tools of their manifestation. You can't regulate away um you can't regulate away these these problems because murder is already illegal and they still do it. Yeah. And I mean that was my addition to the post and when <laughs> You know, being part of the military community, you know, immediately when this stuff happens, 
Uh, first thing that you see in the news is the Democrats get up there and boom, it's gun control. Biden gets up there, is gun control. One, I think it's it's terrible. I mean, it's a horrible situation. And to me, when you hop up on a podium and start talking about gun control or, you know, Steve Kerr, you know, if you ever catch this, you know, fuck you, Steve Kerr. You know, you're an NBA coach that anytime there's like BLM or something, you want to just sit there and grandstand on your soapbox telling everybody that something has to be done. So we need to pass another gun law. Well, to me is guess what? The, the shooter has broken every gun law. It doesn't even matter in this shooting or any shooting. They've broken multiple gun laws, getting right up to the felony of committing murder, which is, like you said, it's illegal, right? Take somebody's life, whether it's with a gun, with a car, with a knife or anything. So you're telling me that you're going to legislate some more on top of that, and this is going to stop the the criminal? To me, it's like, hey, guess what? If you have a, a threat in your neighborhood, right? So we live in a pretty safe neighborhood, but... In all of our mid to small towns, you know, even, yeah, regular sized cities, if you hear that your neighborhood, oh, look, it's summertime and there's uh, people coming around stealing or burglarizing homes, what are you going to do? Are you going to put another five more signs on your front yard saying, uh, oh, please don't rob me? You think that's going to stop them? You know, let alone put a gun-free zone sign uh, on your door. I mean, that's just inviting a criminal to do whatever they want to do. No, you're going to beef up your security, which to me is totally puzzling why we don't, nobody ever mentions that because, you know, what happens if, uh, you know, our idiot president has to go somewhere and there is a threat, you know, Joe Bob is going to come over there threatening to uh, assassinate, you know, our idiot president at this point or our total idiot vice president. And you just keep rolling down the scroll idiots. What do they do? They beef up security, right? So they're going to have overwatch. They're going to have more security tied to that event itself. We do that for sporting events. But we're sitting there, you know, there's one side blaming the other side. Oh, you don't care about our kids if you don't have more gun laws. Well, then why do you leave our kids wide open in a gun-free zone? Because, you know, if you think like a criminal, guess what? I'm going to go to the area where I have a less threat of getting any resistance. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen whether it's validated or not, but apparently that was part of the reason that the grocery store shooter drove to New York from Pennsylvania was because he knew that the gun laws were strict in New York and there would, it was much less likely that somebody would be able to counter him with a firearm. The gun laws are we're strict in New oh, York. We're so strict. He, yeah, okay. we're strict. We're more strict yeah. in New York. So he drove there knowing that somebody, you know, coming at him with a firearm would be much less likely than, you know, rural Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Wherever he I came mean, from. look look at all your areas where they have a ton of legislation. Um, Illinois, California. Has that stopped anybody? No, it's it's made a safe haven for criminals to do whatever they want because they don't follow the law. I don't know if anybody is realize that but guess what criminals don't follow laws and and one of the big arguments from the gun control advocates here is we need to get them all off of the streets because then it doesn't matter if there's gun-free zones or gun zones because they're off the streets which uh, in an uh, you're if you're an idealist right you are you're already a socialist because socialism in in its most ideal state is is beautiful and perfect and amazing the problem is is i'm a realist and how did that work for your war on drugs? Right. Because the minute that you make something, the minute you make a, a, a $1,000 AR completely illegal, 
that all of a sudden is worth three, four, five thousand dollars. And then you have cartels that are going to be importing these and selling them just like meth, just like heroin. Once something is worth something so much more because it's illegal, it makes the mo- the worst part of our society becomes interested in it because they can profit on it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is where I think this this country has gotten so much. To, we have so many first world problems that we think that, oh, we're going to get rid of all the guns. Therefore, it will correlate to less gun violence. Well, guess what? It leads to other violence. Um, you know, for to give some perspective to some of you that haven't been overseas. Well, guess what? The poorest of the poor in the Middle East and those that are ignited by an evil ideology, guess what? They may not have guns, but what do they do? I, they're, they're, they're sitting at home making IEDs, yeah. right? Improvised which, which explosives. You can, so. Which you can make from simple things you can buy at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. Super simple. Yeah, Molotov cocktails. Yeah, I mean, that's something that everybody can make. Well, that's something that, you know, obviously the rioters here have, you know, figured out and made as well. Yeah, they're just going to inflict damage and death no matter what it takes. You know, they're going to, if it's a, a homemade knife, sure, they're going to do that. Evil is going to do evil regardless. You know, evil is going to break the law regardless. So legislating, and that's where, you know, you know, I'm pissed off with that. Yeah, Steve Kerr, I understand you're frustrated. Everybody's frustrated, but to, for you to sit on a stand and tell everybody that you just want people to do something and then you go sign a bill, do something, sign a bill, sign HR 8. Guess what? Uh, that HR 8 is not going to stop what had happened. It's not going to stop the last two shootings that had happened. It's not going to stop the last 15 that had happened. Why? Because these people had acquired that firearm regardless of, you know, whether they bought it, whether they grabbed it from, you know, somebody else's, you know, possession or family had it somewhere, it, it doesn't work. It would have never worked, would have never solved anything. So how would that make you feel better to pass that law? I think we're both on the same page. You can't regulate your way out of this as far as the tool, the tool that was used, because we can regulate guns all the way down to nothing, and then we're going to have to regulate you know, chemical purchases, and then we're going to have to regulate cars, and you just you just can't do it. You can't. Yeah. So regulate steak knives. And and so so what what can we do? And as I as I really dug in and I start to think about the the psychology and the and the issues that we're really facing with this kind of mass shooting epidemic, um, I started to think about an article that I read. And I, I really like I could not find it, but I'm going to try to high spot what I remember from the article because it it kind of it lends its way to the psychology that we're dealing with right now. I, I believe it was somewhere in the Pacific Islands, a a community. So an island community, you know, 40, 50, 60,000 people. So not a huge community. Right. Pre-war, they were a very integrated communal society. So when you had adolescent boys and men who were having mental issues, whether it was because their family had not taken to them or they, you know, their dad didn't like them or their parents were damaged because there's damaged individuals everywhere. There was other people in the community that kind of took these, these kids in and, and 
showed them how to live and, and mentored them. And it was, a, it was a very communal society. Well, then you start, start, talk, start to talk post-war. Post-war, most of that communal living had basically dissolved. It became very much a central family unit. The similar to the way we live now, right? Like right. your family is what you have, is what is responsible for you, is what looks over you. And then outside of that, if you're not in the church or in a sport, um, it's pretty unlikely that you have another group of of balanced, good, wholesome, wholehearted individuals that are that are looking after you. Well, in this community, that started to show up more and more and more in hurting, pain, and just just messed up 15 to 25-year-old men. And then the prince of this of this island committed suicide. And that right there, that one suicide of a very prominent figure snowballed into this is the way out. This is the way to get attention. This is the way to deal with the pain that you're in the middle of. And it, it basically subconsciously or indirectly educated the young men of, of this community that suicide is how you deal with it. And still, still up until recently, they deal with a suicide rate among 18 to 25 year old men that is like three to five times the average suicide rate in the United States, three to five times the average suicide rate in similar um, populations only among it's, it's the number one death rate or uh, death cause for, you know, 15 to 25 year old men is suicide. And so the article was, was kind of comparing that to this mass shooting epidemic that we see now is we have a very similar, a similar problem. We're no longer a community oriented society. We are a family unit oriented society and all a majority, if not all of the young men, because it's always young men that are committing these, these shootings are loner, damaged, faulty individuals who come from generally fucked up homes and are medicated are medicated. Nobody um, mentions on that's a correlation and causation thing, right? Like yeah. doesn't mean that the medication is causing the problem. It's just exacerbating the problem up, though. Or, or fucked up people get put on medicine. That doesn't mean that the medicine is causing the fucked up people to do fucked up things. Doesn't mean right. that's even, even exacerbating it. It just means that, Fucked up people get put on medicine and also fucked up people, a lot smaller portion, shoot a bunch of people. So like I'm I'm I am not the type to go in and and just look at that correlation and say there's any causation behind it. I mean, I look at it as it exacerbates the issue because there's side effects from a lot of those uh you know medications that are being subscribed to these kids that causes and escalation of some behavior yeah but there's no there's no saying that this wouldn't have happened earlier in their life if they weren't given those medications but i think it's something that definitely has to be researched agreed um because it comes down to you know when i'm asked i mean from the the veteran community when i'm asked because immediately it goes to 
you know, and on the right, it's like, well, why don't we just, you know, get, we have enough veterans that would just go and, and guard these schools. I'm like, well, okay, but you got to stop there. That's, that's not the immediate solution because if you look at it, a very small percentage of our armed forces have, you know, been trained and have been in combat. So there is a vetting process that would have to happen. And who's going to pay for it? Yeah. For that to happen. I mean, even if they volunteer, cause I know majority of the vets would volunteer to protect our kids. I mean, you still have to vet them because in, in case of a situation, you know, whether, you know, we, we can speculate what happened in Uvalde that, oh, shit, now here's the oh, shit situation. And they just basically lost their balls. I don't know. I mean, that's what it looks like right now. But I don't know. So you got to have people that, you know, hey, when when the situation arises, well, they have to be able to step up and they have to be well trained. So you can't have. Fortunately, sorry. I mean, if you're a 300 pound heavy that is going to be out of breath, you know, just running, you know, halfway around the building, yeah, it might not be the best solution to protect these kids. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's could be a solution, but you have to establish some standards and some vetting um, to that. You know, to me, it's remember, you know, when we were younger, cause uh, when I was in high school, which is probably when the black and white, you know, photo days, um, I was going hunting to a buddy's place. So, and at that time I was riding the bus and I brought my shotgun in case on the bus and got to school and I put it in my locker. And during lunchtime, yeah, I have another buddy who wanted to see it, literally opened the locker, pulled the gun out and we're sitting there in the hallway of a school hey, looking at the shotgun. Hey, wow, that's a pretty nice one. And, you know, slid the sucker back in. And boom. And then um, I went to his house for, you know, the Friday night to Saturday and brought it on the bus on the way to his house, took it out and, uh, and went hunting. And we used to see, you know, high schoolers show up in trucks with the, the gun racks and back. So you take that as a starting point, because what happened back then when there wasn't an issue with firearms, you take that as a starting point to where we're at now and basically look for the gaps. Well, what happened? It's like, you know, you were uh, talking about earlier is, you know, based on that study, you know, that's the behavioral side, you know, what's changed from now till then, you know, what has influenced that? It could be, yeah, you got to throw, you know, how was children back then weren't medicated as much as they are now, or maybe they weren't medicated at all. Is it the diet? Is it the health? Is it the family nucleus? You know, has moral standards changed since then? Back then, I mean, that's the solution is to be able to get these politicians to get away from their, you know, um, finding some way of getting some kind of financial benefit out of it and just really think about, okay, let's really try to solve the problem here and let's get a bunch of people together and figure this out. Because, you know, a lot of people alluded to, you know, somebody uh, told me, it's like, well, we should just get the NRA to vet, you know, people the to guard all these schools. I'm like, well, at this point, maybe the NRA is probably not the best solution for that. No. You know, I think it would have to be a new committee that comes in and something that, you know, that's bipartisan that, yeah, you know, communities have to just get together and say, this is what we're going to do to protect our schools. You know, and I'm, I think uh, I saw something shoot. I didn't read the article today, but I know Florida is, uh, you know, starting to talk about, you know, doing something you know, getting a program started to help protect the kids in schools. And I don't know the details on that, you know, maybe report on that, you know, later once I read it. 
Yeah. And is there is there a possibility that it's even a non-government entity that's maybe regulated by the government, but it's a independent agency so that it is there is there is no ability for partisan um, politics in it? Yeah. And there's no yeah financial, you know, benefit to it. Kind of like a, you know, having a board for a nonprofit, you know, guess what? These people are there because they care and they want to have a solution because right now I'm writing off. I mean, especially the feds. There's absolutely, they're giving me zero confidence in any matter that they even care, you know, especially on the left, other than the only person that I've heard that has really said, you know, hey, I'm representing my people and this is, you know, this law does not support them. It is, uh, what's his name, uh, Manchkin, Mankin, Manchkin? Mm-hmm. I don't always pronounce his last name wrong, but, you know, or people like Rand Paul. Who's you know outwardly said that hey this does not you know I'm representing the people and this legislation doesn't has no benefit to them at all so right now I don't have confidence in them and like you said it's got to be an independent group it's got to be run locally and with thought of hey we're going to protect our kids and how are we going to do it and 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 let me pull it back to finishing the explanation of the comparison between the the suicide epidemic right because. We have a similar, you know, we're talking, we're talking 60s, 70s, 80s. We have a similar brewing, similar problem brewing, getting away from a um, community based, uh, for the lack of a better word, tribal society, right? Where um, you had to get tribal. There's, I had to get it in there, where there's, there's other people that can help, other people that can step in, other people that can see when a, non-existent father and a damaged mother are raising a young boy right and there's there's the church and there's the community and there's the neighbors and there's all of this that can kind of that can kind of step in we're you know 60s 70s 80s we're slowly losing that right and then just like that prince committing suicide we have columbine and columbine is the big news item the basically the the prince's suicide that then creates this unintended consequence that is training these damaged young boys that this is the way this is the thing that you do when you no longer want to live you want everyone to know how damaged you are you want everyone to feel your pain because that's a lot of what it is is it's it's a it's an inability to understand that other people feeling your pain is not going to take your pain away. And, and that could have just as, that could have just as easily been, you know, uh, a a really famous young man, um, you know, jumping off a bridge. And then all of a sudden we're not, we're not dealing with, um, we're not dealing with damaged adolescent boys shooting up schools. We're dealing with damaged adolescent boys all over the United States, jumping off bridges. Like it's, it's, it's just, but this is the cards that we've been dealt. Yeah. And so now if we really start to understand that psychology and that, that human emotion and that humanism that is causing this, the we're failing, we're failing as a society, we're failing these kids. And if we can kind of reverse engineer that and try to figure out how to, how to help that, how to improve that, how to, um, how to change that, that kind of internal programming 
And I know some of the things that have been suggested have been like reducing, extremely reducing the news coverage on these things so that it's not, they're no longer getting the politicized, uh, the publicity. They're no longer getting the publicity that they originally were trying to get. Right. Um, I've heard that suggested, which in our day and age and the way that media is spread now, I don't know that that's even possible. Um, but how they cover it. It's like the, the daily wire made a, you know, commitment that, you know, we're not mentioning the shooter's name for one. We're just going to talk about what happened. And I think that's, you know, that doesn't give the shooter the, you know, whatever you call it, the fame or recognition for doing this. And that might be, you know, one of the starts, one of the thousand angles that we can take. Yeah. How do we, we all, it's going to take, right? Like it's going to take a village. It's going to take the entire United States um, to try to figure out how to improve the situation for these lost, lonely, hurting, in pain, damaged young men. Yeah. And I don't, and, and, and you want to think that this guy is just a, you know, he's just a, a bad person um, that was meant to do that. You know, he was going to do this no matter what, you know, at that point in his in time at, at that 18 years old. Yeah. He was probably meant to, he was probably, he was probably fucked. Right. But that doesn't mean at 10, if a, a, a priest preacher or a community leader or, uh, you know, a guidance counselor could have stepped in and, and really improved this boy's life that this would have ever happened. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that's one thing that, you know, it, it goes back to what I'm talking about is, is trying to look at this as a whole from, you know, where I don't, I experienced it, you know, in the 1980s that, yeah, where there was technically an open carry kind of feel to where we're at now and finding the gaps. I mean, this is a huge thing because when I look at this situation and some of the other ones, I mean, this this kid was not parented. No. So when we're trying to fill the gaps in each, every human being has to look at their responsibility, you know, the parents, you know, if even if you're a good parent, okay, what am I doing to help this situation? How am I assessing what, what's the home life like for my kids? And then uh, as a teacher, you know, as a teacher, what do you do? Are you just teaching curriculum or are you taking note that there's some, you know, kids, you know, in need? And here's a, here's one that hits home because last week, you know, I had, I had a kind of a, I don't know what to call it, heated talk. But, you know, uh, one of the guys at the VFW, and I've heard this like over the last few years, is the VFWs are complaining why their numbers are not going up. Well, why aren't these young people, you know, signing up for the VFW? Why, why are these, you know, these young vets coming back and they don't want to be part of the VFW? And I told them last week, I'm like, dude, it doesn't do me anything in the community to just hand out pancakes and brats and all that bullshit. And then the rest of the week, I just need somewhere to go and just to drink and talk about what I used to be. You know, it's a, it's a fucking waste of time. So I said, why don't you get all your little people at VFW, I was like, do you have a significant amount of vets? Or he's like, oh, yeah, we do. Why don't you go do something in the community? Why don't you partner up with the schools? I mean, this would be ideal. Take these vets that, guess what? You know, you want to hash out your old life. You want to, you know, talk about old times. Well, talk about what you're doing now. Guess what? Take up arms, 
work with the community and volunteer to protect the schools rather than sit there and suck on drinks and talk about, you know, the olden days that happened, you know, decades ago. And maybe you're going to get a lot more people in because you're actually doing something instead of just drinking your sorrows away, you know? So yeah, I, I met up with him again yesterday and, you know, we talked about it, said any help that you need, you know, you know, you do. I mean, I, I'm pretty busy, but if I can help, I'll help. But it, that's my challenge. If you have a VFW in your community and guess what? They're struggling. They're struggling nationwide to get their numbers up. Guess what? Do something and you're going, your numbers are going to go up as a result. But you got to start doing something, get away from the old thinking that, you know, we're all just going to sit in our little corner, dark corner here and just drinking beers and then giving each other high fives until we're dead. You know, that that doesn't do anything. Do something for your community. Yeah. Um, give, yeah. Give, give the, give the people that aren't signing up now, um, a reason to sign up because it's going to give them some, um, some purpose. Yeah. And then set up some after school programs. I mean, you know, we can look at this kid and, you know, hate, hate his guts because of what he did. And guess what? You know, he should be judged for what he did. You know, I mean, he took some innocent lives here. Um, but when you look at his past, I mean, it looked pretty messed up. I mean, one where your yeah, mother you, doesn't even want you around. You, you and I in that same situation could have ended up as fucked up as him. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing but hate in this kid's life. You know, you know, he's being ridiculed at school. So he drops out of school. Right. You know, his mom doesn't want him. So he's been rejected by his mom. Who knows where his dad's at? And his grandfather doesn't help that, you know, he's a criminal. And what you have is just the grandmother. So, but they're kind of letting him do what he wants. Oh, well, he didn't want to go to school. So we just kind of let him do what he wants. Well, okay. A kid with zero direction is going to be confused. And, and in the last 10 to 15 years, we've pulled so many extracurriculars out of school. You know, maybe, maybe art clubs, maybe this kid was an artist, right? Because there's a lot of damaged individuals that are artists. It's just, it's something about fighting your demons that, that can come out in art. Maybe he would have found his place. Yeah. You know, maybe he would have found his place in some art. Maybe there was another, you know, extracurricular that we've gone and pulled from schools because we, you know, all we're worried about is the fucking math scores. Yeah. You know, and all of this stuff, it's death by a thousand cuts. And yes, we're Monday morning quarterbacking the shit out of this right now. Right. We are. We're looking back and going, oh, we could have done this better. We could have done this better. Well, that's kind of what you have to do to go and and think of some changes moving forward. And the problem is, is we have people like you and I that are sitting in a fucking, you know, 12 by 12 room recording a podcast that we're trying to send out to the world. We're trying to get thousands of people to listen to. And it's you and I that are coming up with ideas like this. And the people who are in charge that are supposed to be fucking doing this, that, that we pay them for, all they're worrying about is their fucking campaign, campaign contributions and appeasing their base. All right. I mean, they're looking at it as, okay, well, is this a problem that I can solve and make money on? Exactly. And the, But they don't. There's nothing. There's no gain from it other than these lives that they keep, you know, falsely preaching that they care about. Well, if you really cared, you, there's so many resources in the community. And, you know, and on, on this Memorial Day, guess what? The the, the best, and, and I'm going to direct it to you vets out there, okay? On this Memorial Day, the best way to commemorate the lives that we lost, the brothers that we fought alongside is they would want you to get off your ass and not sit there 
and sit in a dark corner and drink and, you know, talk about the good old times. They want you to get out there and do what, you know, you train to do, do what you were called to do. If you are a protector, be a protector. And guess what? Get off your ass and, and go to the school, go to, go to the city and say, okay, this is what we want to do. Stop worrying about your declining numbers. You know, you have an organization that is fully functional. And on this Memorial Day to, to, to honor those that, you know, gave lives for freedom, protect those lives then, you know, continue what you're doing. How else, you know, what, how else can you get creative? How else could you help? Could you have, you know, could you have an after school program at the VFW where, you know, these troubled kids that have no fucking place to go. Yeah. They have can, no fathers. Have, yes. Be the father to the fatherless. Yeah. I mean, it, there's like, we're sitting here in, you know, 53 minutes trying to figure out how to solve this problem. Whereas it's going to take everyone that listens to this to tell a hundred thousand people each a <laughs> thousand people each to equal a hundred thousand, whatever. Um, could, because it's going to take all of us to, to, to invest ourselves and to involve ourselves. You and I can't solve the problem by coming up with these ideas. Yeah. And it's not just the VFW either. It's a hundred percent. It's the community. It's just the whole community. I mean, the, the guys that deal with, uh, in, in the fire department and the law enforcement, you know what, you know, instead of maybe, you know, sometimes on our main street, we definitely need somebody to sit there and watch some of these assholes drive. But you know, law enforcement takes some time to, you know, go into a community, um, whether it's, you know, just get out of the squad car and play basketball, you know, with the kids or the fire department, you know, pull up and, you know, uh, one church in the area that, you know, that I was a part of, you know, we went into one of the low income uh, um, areas and put up a basketball hoop. And, you know, guess what? A basketball hoop in an area like that, you'd be surprised how many kids you get out every single damn day just to play basketball on a hoop that works versus, you know, before that it was years. It just sat there. I mean, you get a backboard with no freaking rim on it, but once you do that, then guess what? Then get out there and, and play with the kids. Cause there is a, there's a ton of fatherless kids just even in our community. And you take that into a larger city. It's like, Holy crap. How exponentially, you know, bad is that? And you got the boys and girls, you know, club that, you know, is, is new and growing in town. Um, you have businesses that could do something. Imagine if a whole community with all the resources that it has, instead of giving it to the, the idiot politicians, even on a local level, to try to figure out how to do it and spend money on programs, which they've obviously proven they can't do. Imagine if a community came together and just started doing something, a little seed at a time, you know, beyond just, you know, our podcast, but, you know. Imagine everybody just took this, got together. Um, you know, how many kids would you take out of that, quote, at risk level? How many? I mean, I would say a lot of lives would be touched. And there's a lot of these there's a lot of these kids that are getting raised, being raised with no father that I know I've quoted this study before, but a fatherless child is umpteen times more likely to have zero empathy than a child with a father involved. Empathy, if you don't understand it, is putting your place in someone else's shoes. If you're empathetic, you can't walk into a school and shoot up innocent lives. Yeah. Because you understand what the damage that's that does. You understand the damage that that, that does to to the people around, the people that love those innocent kids, the people that love those teachers. You you understand it because you're empathetic. Um 
it would be hard to test, hard to study it, but I would guarantee that it doesn't have to be a fucking birth father. Yeah. No, it doesn't have to be. Trust me. Yeah. I mean, from my life experience, you know, my, my dad died when I was young, but he was abusive right up until he died. And um, I had to do, it had to come to a point where I had to stop in mentally becoming a victim and start thinking, okay, I need to do something. And it was a, it was a friend of mine. It wasn't even a father figure. I mean, I was so messed up by the time I got to college. Um, yeah, I was probably, I was really empathetic. I probably would have took a baseball bat to an animal just to kill it, to be honest. I mean, I was full of rage and anger. And then, um, he literally, this is when I was, you know, cleaning up and, you know, my first uh, experience with Christianity, but I was still at a point where I was like, you know, getting off self-medication and, but I was still an angry dude. And then finally, I think he got sick of it and he's just like, dude, I'm taking you somewhere. And we went to the children's hospital in Milwaukee and he walked me through there. It's like, you think you got a bad, put yourself in one of these kids shoes. And I was, I was messed up yeah. in the worst way. And, uh, yeah, uh, from that point on, I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to give. And when I give, guess what? I don't sit there and worry about, you know, oh, this is what I'm not getting. I start seeing other people's pain. So then I don't experience that anymore. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's what we try to talk about with, you know, VFW and everything else. Stop worrying about, you know, what your gain is. Stop worrying about what your organization needs. Go out there and contribute. And guess what? It's going to come back to you twofold. And even as an individual, if you go out there and you serve and you put your heart and soul into a, a poor, a fatherless kid, that is just looking for some direction. Guess what? You may not see the the rewards right away. You may not never see the rewards right away. But guess what? That child is going to grow up and that is going to be a foundation. That for me was the key. It wasn't, you know, I had a lot of father figures after that because I was looking for that. I was like, wow, here's a standard. This blew my mind. Now I got to get off my ass. And, you know, I started like, uh, it's like we talk about, you know, the five closest people to you. I started to really evaluate every damn person that I hung around with. And I said, is this person going to help me to get to where I need? Because I'm broken as hell and I can't get there by myself at all. Yeah. So between that and like I said, uh, the foundations of Christianity and that relationship with God, you know, I came from a point where I was just, you know, if you ask people that I knew years ago, they're like, he was the most quietest, but the most angriest. And he had just had this like firestorm in him that, yeah, I was, yeah, I was born a soldier. I was born a protector. I mean, even people say this day, he's like, yeah, you have a gift of protection, but that's just how I am. And, but that was redirected by, you know what, giving up of myself, you know, denying myself and actually be like, I got to get out there, just start planting seeds and just, you know, be more giving. And by doing that, uh, I learned how to, you know, be more loving and caring. And then in that way to my kids, too, because when my kids were younger. They knew, I mean, I was I was struggling. I had problems still and I had anger problems, you know. Yeah, I never struck my kids, but I sure, you know, yelled pretty damn loud. You know, I was kind of a militant. But um, the more I had to look at the mirror every, you know, every fucking day, I had to look at the mirror and say, you know, say and pray every day 
that, you know, I need to get better. And it's been a journey. So for those of you that think that I just, you know, got some mentorship and it just happens immediately, hell no. It's like, it's like we talk about on our podcast. It is the longest damn journey. And guess what? That journey is going to end when I'm six feet under. Yep. It's never going to end, but I have to make that effort every single day to wake up and to say, okay, how can I be better today? So it's just like working out, you know, working out physically, people see that. So if I'm pissed off at working out, oh, I had a shitty workout this morning. I'm going back at noon or I'm going back that night to help, help perfect myself, to help to, you know, get there. Same thing mentally. You're going to wake up. It's like, oh, at the end of the day, there's some days even up in the last week. I'm like, you know what? I did a shitty job at work. I could have focused a lot better. How can I be more focused? And this past week I cut out sugars. And guess what? My By cutting out any type of like remote sugars, because I was already on a low sugar, you know, diet, but even from juices or, you know, I'll be like snacking. Um, so I cut my snacking intervals too. So I it wouldn't spike up my insulin. But the reason I'm saying this is talking about mental health, you know, which is a tough part for a lot of veterans to talk about, is I have to look at every single gap that I'm doing in my life on a daily basis to make sure that I'm performing how I should be. And why? Because I, I get frustrated with myself when I'm not performing at that level. And the same thing we're looking at, you know, with the shooting and mental health is you have to look at every gap, every detail, but as a community to fix the community. So, you know, hopefully that's understandable. And if you, if you look at your body like a machine or like an operating system or however you want to look at it, um, we all have different levels of baseline. We all have different places where we are um, as far as our mental strength, our mental wellness. We're all at different levels. But if you're consuming alcohol regularly or you're overweight, if you're not sleeping right, if you are stressed as hell and consuming copious amounts of caffeine, if you are eating like shit, any one of these things will be detrimental to your baseline. So if you're normally, you know, a four on a scale of one to 10, as far as your mental wellness, and you're doing any one of these things, it's going to pull you down from that four. So before we even talk about improving your your baseline and improving your mindset and all the other things that we talk about on this podcast, you need to look at what's reducing your baseline because alcohol, most drugs, shitty diet, no sleep, stress, all of these things increase inflammation and inflammation reduces the amount of chemicals such as dopamine, epinephrine, serotonin, all these chemicals that can get in your brain. It reduces the amount of those that can get into their receptors in your brain. So let's, let's just take alcohol for an example, right? Let's say that you consume alcohol four or five nights a week, right? Because you had a stressful day, you get home, you take a drink, maybe three, and it takes the edge off, right? Just, it makes, it helps you forget about your day. Yeah. Okay. Then the next day, you are in a inflamed state because of the amount of alcohol that you consumed the night before that inflamed state means that less 
dopamine and serotonin can get into their receptors in your brain. So you're already at a lower baseline. Your baseline has been lowered. So everything you have to deal with in the day is going to be that much harder. It's going to cause that much more stress. And then you're going to want that drink that much worse when you get home that night. Yeah. So you're going to have another three. Take the edge off. Makes you enjoy your night. Same thing the next morning. And this shit is just this never ending fucking circle. Yeah. And there's no benefit to it at all. Except for that two hours when you're when you're buzzed up. Those are great. Yeah. But you know what? That when you're buzzed up, that just becomes an excuse. Wow, I had a shitty day. Therefore, I'm going to hurt myself. I deserve I deserve a few hours of of being, you know, of being fun and being buzzed and being relaxed. Yeah. But then you look at the long, long I deserve term effects. Some, I deserve dessert tonight. Yeah. 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 That's why it's, you know, look for a healthy out. And, you know, and circling back to these shooters is guess what? You know, I'm sorry. I got to, you know, this is Memorial Day, you know, and I like to address the vets because, you know, the vets will come to me and ask questions. And you know what? This is what you got to teach these young people. Don't worry about getting their, their damn membership. Get out there and you see those kids easily. Hundreds of kids in the community. In, in our city, hundreds. Could be a thousand plus. Yeah, and we're not a big, we're not huge. Yeah, we're not huge. We're not a huge city at all. But you see them out there. Guess what? Take them and even, you know, help yourself. First, help yourself. It's, it's, it's like that, you know, their airplane thing, you know, make sure your oxygen mask is on before you slap one on somebody else, you know. Make sure that you are taking care of yourself, not sitting in a corner drinking every night so that, you know, you, you don't deal with your problems. Guess what? You know, first get yourself, get yourself to the, to the gym. You don't have to get to the gym or have do something at home. But, you know, if you can't do it by yourself and you like having the, the group, you know, think kind of like, you know, the VFW mentality, then guess what? Take the group to the gym and start taking care of yourself. And then after you get yourself squared away to the point, you know, where you're in the progress of squaring away, then, then reach out to these kids and start teaching them that. Give them a healthy outlet because a lot of these kids, that's all they need. You know, there's not a lot of programs out there. It used to be where there's programs where these kids could get out, could go play basketball with other kids. Put a basketball, put a basketball court in the parking lot of the VFW and have three on three tournaments every weekend. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and this is just, this is just thinking of things off the top of the head while we're talking. If you actually yeah. sat down and got, um, oh, hell, you got didn't. intent, got intent, intentional. If you guys sat down and got intentional about this shit, you could think of 50 ways. Yeah. Or, you know, do a weekly, uh, a rock. Yeah. Which Lord knows I've seen zero happen here. So why not have, you know, there's like weekly uh, car shows. Why not, you know, it's, it's not hard and you don't have to be athletic to strap on a weighted pack and walk 5, 10, 15 miles once a week and then grab these kids. I mean, what a better time it is, you know, than, than summertime right now. Yeah. Um, there's a million things that you can do and it doesn't have to be the VFW. I mean, it's a million things that, you know, that you and I can do put something together but it's just yeah the community has got to come together to fix the community i mean that's it's all there is to say about it and um there's no easy solution and 100 percent legislation will help zero percent 
at this point. And until we see something different coming out of the government, you know, right now they're just all they're worried about is getting elected again right now. That's that's all it is. And hope and pray to God that we don't see another shooting next week. And then that you know ramps up legislation. That's that's my biggest fear right now is you're just going to see one thing after the other. And then all this argument online is so unhealthy. You know, just because somebody is pro-life versus pro-choice, you know, the pro-choice people shouldn't be calling pro-life people saying, oh, well, if you're pro-life, then, you know, you would initiate gun control because there's absolutely that makes zero sense. You know, why don't everybody get together and just, you know what, let's figure it out. Where's the gap in our community? You know, what has changed from that time where it was easy for us to have, you know, guns and gun racks in our, you know, back of the truck window versus now, you know, let's get together and figure it out. I will, I will, I will throw a quick challenge. I got 60 seconds till we get to a minute, um, till we get to a minute or an hour 10. Um, I do, I do challenge the pro-life people out there instead of, um, arguing against abortion let's maybe try to help in our community and improve the lives of the girls that are ending up getting abortions because they got pregnant because they got themselves in situations where they weren't able to either use protection or had sex when they really didn't even want to have sex and all of these things like let's 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 also look at at the 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 underlying problem there not just the symptom yeah i'm gonna give a shout out then to exactly what you're saying is uh um there's an old navy vet that passed away and this is a perfect example i mean this is a guy that could have taken his retirement retired and uh, you know retired somewhere south but you know they stuck around and, and him and his wife started uh basically what's evolved now it used to be called the hartford pregnancy center in in hartford wisconsin and uh you know don eli and and his wife basically uh put it together and it was exactly what you had just said exactly so these were you know uh, a pro-life you know couple and um you know these are two like I said, he used to go out there and help them, uh, you know, shovel the snow in the middle of winter. But this was a guy that was, gosh, man, way into retirement. And this guy could have just retired comfortably. But they took their money and invested into a program versus into themselves. And that's how he's lived his whole life uh, right up until the day that he died. Well, he didn't get to live to see where it's grown into now. So now it's grown from Hartford into a, a big operation called Seed of Hope. And Seed of Hope is based out of West Bend. And that's what they're doing right now is, guess what? You know, they're pro-life, but for the gals that get themselves into trouble, because we know that happens, you know that's going to happen in a lot of different areas. Um, they're bringing them in and giving them options and setting them up, kind of like what we're trying to do here with uh, um a shelter from the storm with the homeless is there is a program, there is progress, there is a journey to help them to get to a better, better option versus, you know, just sitting outside of somewhere carrying a sign and yelling at each other. Yeah. So, so yeah, so your idea is in, yeah, full live fulfillment. And I know there's centers, you know, around the U S, but it just takes more people to say, hey, I'm willing to just 
roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty. And on this Memorial Day, uh, it's hats off to, to Don. And that's his life legacy right there. So awesome. Hope you guys have an amazing holiday. Um, this will come out on Memorial Day. So everybody just take a second and uh, and remember the fallen. <laughs>